0: friends, and welcome to Muscle Maven Radio. I'm your host, the Muscle Maven, Ashley Van Houten. Thank you so much for being here. As always, we are marching slowly and steadily to the end of 2021. Kind of a trip, really. This year was nuts. I mean, I had a lot of changes this year. I don't know about you guys, but kept me on my toes. I'm excited for the coming year to see how the world will continue to change, how my life will continue to change. But I'm very much looking forward to a little bit of a break from the podcast here as we enter into the holidays. Um, And I hope that you guys are planning some some downtime and some fun, relaxing, rejuvenating time with yourself, with your family, all that good stuff. But before that happens, I do have some awesome guests for you and some last episodes before this year ends. And today is no exception. My friend, amazing human being Jill Coleman is the guest today. Uh, You might know her on Instagram uh, as Jill Fit, and that's her website as well. Um, She is a business coach. She helps people in the health and fitness industry make money, build their business, um, understand their business. She has two podcasts. One is the Best Life podcast. And the other one, which I've been listening to a lot recently, is Fit Biz You, which is kind of short, really easily digestible snippets about some of the stuff we talk about in the podcast today. Uh, what to do as an entrepreneur in the health and fitness world. Um, she has a program called Moderation 365, uh, a course that helps people kind of get rid of that that vicious cycle of obsessive eating, um, which I think probably all of us could benefit from. So that's a pretty cool program that she does. But we talk about a lot of stuff in this podcast. We talk about how much we love shoulder muscles. We're both basically wearing the same episode or outfit in this episode. (laughs) If you watch it on YouTube, you'll see it's hilarious. Um, But we talk about a bunch of stuff, including the fact that I actually used her services very recently um, as a consultant for my own fitness business project coming up that I, I just needed some advice. I needed some professional advice from someone that I respected and trusted in the industry. And I invested in that relationship. And we worked together on something that I actually feel very good about. So that was cool. We got to talk about that. We talk about some of the things she does in her own life, as well as in her sort of coaching capacity to improve productivity, efficiency, work-life balance, all of these things. Um, She talks about anchor actions, what those are and how they help productivity. She talks about her daily nutritional commitments, her lifestyle commitments, what she does in a day, how she works, how frequently and often she works, how to prioritize a few things Instead of trying to prioritize everything, which is a very common challenge with the type A people that I know are listening to this podcast, but we all know, we all figure out at one point or another that trying to do everything just makes us do a few things half-assed. So we talk about prioritizing. um, We talk about... The benefits of attending masterminds and in-person development events, and how that can help. We talk about how to invest in yourself as an entrepreneur, and this can be relevant to people outside of the fitness industry as well. Um, so we kind of cover the gamut from health and fitness and wellness and lifestyle, personally, and then how we can apply some of this amazing stuff she's learned over the course of her career to improving our own our own careers and our own um, professional endeavors. So. This was an awesome one. Um, She, like me, talks quickly. So this may be one episode that you do not need to speed up to get through uh, on your walk. Um, But this was super, super beneficial. I appreciate her so much. I think she's doing some really, really, um, as she says in her Instagram, no BS uh, work for people, helping people really level up and understand health and nutrition and the business side of it as well. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. If you do, let me know. Like, tag us, tag at Jill fit, tag me at the muscle maven on Instagram, share this with somebody who you think could benefit guaranteed, you know, an entrepreneur out there who could use some help. Um, and just pass it along. That would mean a lot to me. So that's it. I'll stop talking now. I hope you enjoy my interview with the awesome Jill Coleman. All right, Jill, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for being here. Oh my gosh. Thanks so much for having me. We cannot go any further without having a moment for the outfits right now um i don't know how many people listen to this like or watch this on youtube versus listen to it i think more people listen to it so for those of you who are missing out on the richness of the multimedia experience here with the podcast we are wearing very similar outfits just throw up just throw up one of these for me just because i love it okay thank you
1: yeah uh, is that going to be the screenshot for the show probably
0: has to be um <laughs> yes shoulder ladies who love shoulders unite right now anyway i just i have to throw that out. I
1: know I'm obsessed with these one shoulder things for sure.
0: It just feels good. It's just nice. It's just, you you know, have a little bit of air, have a little bit of warmth. It's perfect. (laughs) Um, all right. So I have lots of questions that I would love to ask you. I'd love to pick your brain because you, you know, since we met very briefly, I think it was years ago at a, like a paleo FX or something way back in the day. Um, you really have been one of my favorite fitness, fitness, business professionals to follow. And and as somebody who is deeply entrenched in this world, I think, um, you know, you just have always been somebody who continues to just be authentic and also helpful. And those two things are, um, Surprisingly rare and incredibly valuable. So, um, <laughs> thank you, thank you for the work that you do. You're, you're thank you so much for the stuff. kind
1: words. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I think you know I've been in this industry now for like full time online eleven years. So I think at some point you have to figure out a way to to make it work long term.
0: Yep, yep. And that's
1: really and honestly, value is the only way.
0: Yep. And I mean, but so much of what you say just like rings true to me. I want to just like share every single one of your like (laughs) tweets in my stories, because like the concepts from everything from, you know, we're in a sea of of people saying, here's my quick fix. And you saying like, hey, when you're ready to like recognize that this takes a long time, I'll be over here with the like real information for you. I know it's not (laughs) sexy. It just it just speaks to me on such a deep level. And so that's why I love to pick your brain about stuff like this, because I think a lot of our of my listeners are either people who um, find themselves in that frustrating place where they want to get healthier, they want to make a change, and they're torn between, you know, these super sexy, provocative quick fixes and like knowing what the true path is. Um, and also coaches and health professionals who listen to this who are also caught in that same, sure. um, you know, p- place where they they sort of are almost like, well, if I can just reel them in with that sexy through a seven-day thing and then actually teach them the real stuff. I don't know if that's the right path or not. So anyway, we'll we'll unpack it all because as you can tell, I've, I've got my iced coffee and I've got lots <laughs> of questions for you. Um, okay. But first, it is first thing in the morning on a Monday. You're on the West Coast. So it's pretty early for you, right?
1: It is. Actually, I was supposed to be on the East Coast when I originally scheduled this. And then I canceled my trip. And I was like this woman has a newborn. I'm not going to change up her schedule on her. I'm, I'm usually up anyway. So yeah, I'm good. Yeah,
0: I appreciate <laughs> it. Um, yeah. do you, do you do your, like, what's your kind of like daily schedule in terms of your own taking care of yourself, like working mm-hmm. out and like, eating and meal prepping? Like, how does that work for you?
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So it was interesting. (laughs) Last week I was at a mastermind. I'm actually in a mastermind and um, like super high level mastermind, you know, multiple seven figure business owners and all this kind of stuff. And one gal said to me, you know, you really inspire me by how much you rest. (laughs) And then someone else later in the weekend was like, you inspire me by how much, how productive you are. So Mm -hmm. it's like, I think you can be both. So the answer to the question really is, I do take a lot of downtime, but that resting is actually working because when I come back to my work, whatever that is, like I have designated sort of time, I I do like time batching, I'm so much more focused. So to the average person, I probably work, I don't know, 20 to 30 hours a week, not a ton, um, but I'm highly focused. Like that's literally like on the computer, writing emails, talking to clients, client facing stuff. So it does require a lot of presence and a lot of focus. And knowing that, I know that I have to work in strategic downtime. So I use use something called anchor actions. Anchor actions are like three key behaviors that you are willing to do or committed to doing every single day that actually give you energy back. Now, you and I both know you can't make everything a priority, right? Like You can't be like, oh, I got to eat this and I got to drink a gallon of water. I got to sleep eight hours. Like, There's infinite amount of health behaviors that we could do. And if you ask the average person, they'd probably list out 20 things that they should be doing. Um, But we know that mental energy and willpower is finite. So I sort of distill it down to three things. And the key with anchor actions is that They're not just like self-care, right? They're not necessarily like taking a bath or like, you know, meditation or journaling that can be them. But the key here is this, when you do them consistently, you come back to your work focused and refreshed and actually filled back up with energy. And so they're going to be different for everyone. For me I have 3. I do at least 30 minutes of weight training every day. I do 30 minutes of at least 30 minutes of leisure walking because to me that's a chance for me to disconnect, lower cortisol, hormonal sort of stuff, not not burning calories obviously. Um, and then the last is sleeping 8 hours. And I know for a lot of people that sleep what well is not possible. That's why I always say that it needs to be specific for you. If 8 hours is, you know, or 9 hours or however much is isn't possible for you, what other things can you do? I know it sounds counterintuitive, but like maybe you have to like lay on the couch and read a fiction novel at like noon sometime. You know what I mean? Like these weird things that I sort of allowed myself to start doing. And at first it felt kind of lazy, to be honest. I was like, I need to be at my computer all the time because we're in that sort of like, you know, you got to be chained to your desk for eight hours. Mm -hmm. So getting out of that headspace when I became an entrepreneur was really tough because I was like, am I lazy? Am I not working enough? But what I found was I was so much more productive and so much more focused when I came back to my work. So for anyone listening... We all know what those things are, right? Can't be 20 things, three things, maybe four things max and make those things a priority. And then everything else, don't worry about it. Like sometimes I'll have like, you know, a bottle of wine for dinner. It's not my favorite, but like every once in a while, if I'm in the middle of a launch or something, Mm -hmm. it's not a perfect health behavior. But I know that if I at least get my three big things in, that I'm going to be productive at work and I'm going to be focused and going to be, you know, in the headspace that I need to, to, to get work done.
0: I love that we, you just gave this to us off the top because I actually think that this is probably one of the bigger points for a lot of, and I say women, and I know this is applicable for men too, but I know you and I both work with a lot of yep. type A, hard charging women. And this might be one of the biggest sticking points is this like, I, I hate to feel lazy. I feel like Mm. any time downtime is time that I could be doing something else. So I actually like, instead of trying to force somebody who's like never relaxed in their life to just (laughs) relax, instead it's like repositioning it as doing something that is actually going to make you more productive and even could be productive in the moment, Um, like going for a walk and maybe during that walk, you're like picking up some groceries or something. I don't know, but like, it's not, it doesn't have to be exercise. It doesn't have to be sitting at your computer and like working away. You know, I really like that. And I like the other point that you made that I want to highlight is, you know, one of these big things being sleep and how it's not possible for everybody all the time. And again, we tend to look at these health pictures as so black and white, like, well, I can't get the eight hours of sleep. So I guess I suck. And my sleep's going to be garbage and my health is going to be garbage. It's like, no, there's always different kind of like balls in the air. And if this one isn't going to be perfect, then what can you do instead? And it's always sort of like a dance and an evolution. And you can't, you know, you can't Carry them all. So, like, which ones can you and maximize those? Um, I, I think
1: that. if you're listening to this and you're going, you know what? Here's how you'll know if you need to start implementing this: mm-hmm. is if you get to the end of your week and you say, "God, I was so busy this week, but I have no idea what I got done." Mm-hmm. Like, if you get to the end of the week and you're like, "I was busy, but I have no idea what I actually did," that's a signal that you need to start really putting these sort of strategic rest periods throughout your day, and they don't need to be like long, right? Ten minutes mm-hmm. of just disconnecting, on um, like going for a light walk, like anything like that, that gives you energy back. And I was terrified. I actually read a book on this. It was all about about sort of energy management, energy oscillation. And it's called The Powerful Engagement by Jim Lair, maybe years ago, probably 15 years ago. Um, And at that time, I was someone who would have identified as busy and also someone who really prided themselves on being busy. To me, you know, without having the awareness, I was like, oh, this is how I derive a sense of self-worth. Like I'm just busier than the average person. Look at how important I am. I have all this stuff on my calendar. Um, And when I listened to that book, it was really tough for me, but I was like, you know what? Let me just try it because the old way is always going to be there, right? I can always go back to filling up the calendar and whatever. So let me just try this. And I couldn't, Honestly, like you can't, um, like it worked, and that was all I needed. The proof was in the pudding when I started to see it working. I was like, Damn, this dude is right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, I think if you give yourself that opportunity, it feels really just disorienting at first. But I was like, Oh, this actually does work. And I came back and I was so much more productive. So, releasing that need to be at a desk for eight hours, working 50% or 40%, they actually showed in research that the average person only works two hours and 15 minutes a day out of those eight hours. Mm -hmm. So, like, what if you just We're hyper-focused for four hours, three hours, five hours, get so much more done, And then you give yourself the time and space to be present for the other areas of your life, whether it's friends, family, downtime, you know, self-time. And I think this is definitely, I I think it's an American thing, so I can't speak for Canada, but I think it's... Same thing, same thing. Yeah, it's North America.
0: We're just a slightly more polite version of everything that America does.
1: So yes. Yeah. So it is this this feeling of attaching your self-worth to being busy. And I think it's really easy to fall into that trap. And also it could be a defense mechanism. It could keep you from doing something bigger. You know, Know, to yep. just say, wow, I'm so busy. I'm, you know, I have my my schedule's full. I wish I could do that. But you know what? I just can't. It does kind of keep you in like a really safe holding pattern, yeah. versus being like, "Wow, I actually do have the time and mental energy to start that business I've been thinking about, or write that book, or you know, speak." You know, like a lot of people want to like do a TED talk or something. Like, like it keeps you from doing that bigger thing. So, and and that's scarier, right? That accountability, that responsibility of doing something bigger, um, and also just high level. This is your life, and you have to at some point. Relax into it. Like you have to just relax into it. You have to figure out a way to have longevity, not only in your actual life, but like longevity in your career or whatever it is that you want to do. And so there is, you can't work 24 hours a day. So you need to figure out what works for you. And for work, what works for me is about five to six hours, five days a week. And that is perfect.
0: And figure out how to enjoy it too. Because, yeah, some of us like being busier than others, but nobody likes being that manic version of busy where you don't know what you did that day. Like, you can pretend you do. But again, like you said, I think that's a defense mechanism. Like, no one likes being so busy that they feel manic and anxious and like they're running from one thing to another. Like, yep. there's a difference between being energized and excited about what you're doing and just being in like panic mode all the time, right?
1: Totally. Um, and I think, it, you know, I think it, it is a way for, I think it's a little bit short-sighted to think that you don't have control over some of those things. And I know sometimes it feels like you don't. You go, well, you don't understand. I got to do that or else. And so, we do sort of feel boxed in. But at the same time, like, you do have a little bit of wiggle room if you considered it. So when you say, I can't do X, Y, and Z, what you mean is you could do it, but it'd be really uncomfortable. Yeah. And I was a full-time personal trainer for a lot of years. I was uh, working about 70, 80 hours a week in the gym. And at that time, that was when I listened to this book and I was like, this dude doesn't get it. Like, There's no way I could change my schedule. I need this money. right?" I was, I was really operating in a lot of scarcity. And what I didn't realize was I could actually change my schedule a little bit. I could ask some of my clients to come in a little earlier, come in a little later, so I could batch my my clients together so I had more open time for me to be creative and do whatever. And what I noticed was a lot of my clients were happy to shift their schedules around for me. I even increased my prices and 94% of my clients stayed with me. So you can do small things. It's scary, but you do have a lot more say than you think you do.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm like deep in this process myself right now, obviously having a new baby prior to this, I, as an entrepreneur, I, you know, had to be somewhat um, scheduled, but I also had all the time in the world. And now that I don't, I I absolutely can see the wheels turning in my brain where I'm like, well, I have a baby. I mean, I don't have, I don't have a lot of like, I'm following his schedule, but it's like not really you know what I mean like he throws he throws an interesting dynamic into it but I still have choice every day of like during my downtime am I gonna watch Netflix or am I gonna get some work done am I gonna you know like I can start creating some schedules so like everything you're saying is hitting a little bit harder than it it used to but it's (laughs) but it's good it's it's because no matter what like you said there is always some personal choice and decision making that can be made you know, there's a range, but like we all can make our own sort of.
1: Schedules. Yeah, and I'm also like not here to shame someone who just had a baby or like feels like they literally can't, don't have the time. My whole thing is, is if you really enjoy being busy and and I'm I'm not a fan of like the no excuses, everyone has the same 24 hours in a day. Like I don't subscribe to that. I'm like, look, sometimes laying on the couch and taking a nap is working, right? Like that's part mm-hmm. of the work day. Um, but I think. If you are, do have some autonomy over your schedule and you still then make yourself really busy, then just own it, right? Like to me, just own it. Be like, yeah, I'm really busy and it's a really busy time and I won't be like this forever, but I'm just going to, I'm going to own it. This is where I'm at in life. Then I'm like, cool. But if you have autonomy over your schedule, it is a disservice to say that you don't, yeah. and to be like, well, I can't do that because when I, when you have actual say in where you're spending your time. So yeah. my whole thing is like, a lot of us we do need that sense of busy. We we you know especially in this. Um, I just turned 40, so I feel like 30s and 40s is like that go time. It's like cool, we're doing all the things, and I'm I'm looking sort of 10 years from now going. Do I still want to be showing up on social media every day and like Mm -hmm. doing that sort of thing? So I'm trying to put things in place now. So maybe I do have to work a little bit more now, but I know (laughs) at some point I'll be able to pull back. So, you know, as long as you stay aware and then own it. Yeah. Perfect. Totally fine.
0: Speaking of owning it. So you mentioned sometimes wine is dinner. And I like (laughs) this because you also, you know, you, you, anybody who follows, you can see that you are a very sort of, um, you know, you're dedicated to your work and yourself and you put the time and the effort in to take care of both of those things. But you also talk about when sometimes dinner is wine. And I, I appreciate that because again, we have this like perfectionist fallacy online that like, you're sorted out, you must be perfect and never make a mistake or never choose to just do something right. suboptimally, right? It's yep. not a mistake. Yep. You just chose to do something differently. Um, but I'm curious if, you know, when you're working with clients and you're talking about some of these like basic, either good lifestyle or even business tenets, like things that are like, here are some things that you can try and that are going to be good for you to look into, whatever. Is there anything that you tell other people that they should do that you have a hard time with personally yourself? Um
1: no, yeah, no, not necessarily only because it feels really misaligned for me. Um, so one of my core values at Jill Fit is congruency, mm-hmm. which is extremely important to me. Like realness, congruency. I want to be the same person online that I am in person, that I am like anywhere that you run into me. So congruence is actually a value system of the business, which means that I would literally be out of integrity mm. if I was telling someone to do something that I'm not doing. And this goes for business as well. Mm-hmm. I'm just very open and very transparent with the ways in which I'm not perfect. And to me, I don't think that's the goal. I don't think the goal is perfection. I think the goal is, what can I do sustainably? What can I do consistently? And what's just going to check a couple boxes and going to move the dial for me big time, which is why things like an anchor action is a way to almost compromise and th- like, so I have a nutrition philosophy called moderation 365, and it literally is exactly what it sounds like eating moderately 365 days a year. Now, I think a lot of people have different, you know, they see that the concept of moderation differently um, has different meanings. And what it means for me is what can I, what's good enough? And for a lot of us, like you mentioned earlier, these sort of type A, very driven women Like Good enough isn't good enough, right? Mm -hmm. Good enough isn't good enough. They go, it's not hardcore enough. It's not extreme enough. I'm not going to get the results fast enough. And so things like anchor actions are actually a compromise and a practice in choosing a middle choice versus I got to go all the way or I'm not going to do it at all. I go, let's just do a couple things really well. That's it. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm very much like play to your strengths versus trying to bring up your weaknesses. I think that's a huge waste of time. I think you can that that kind of stuff. Like, so what I say is, you know, three things part of my nutrition philosophy is what we call DNCs or daily nutritional commitments, same concept as anchor actions, but for food behaviors. Um, So three things that you do consistently every single day. And when you do them, a lot of your eating becomes automated. So for Mm -hmm. example, and you'll get this obviously, Ashley, but like having a high protein diet for me, I have protein every meal. That is part of my DNCs. And when I do that, it takes the edge off my hunger and cravings enough that I don't find myself wanting to binge. And so for me, having protein to every meal is a daily nutritional commitment. Now, again, with that being said, not everything can be important. So I'm not going to give someone 20 nutrition rules. I'm going to go, let's figure out what the three big diet movers are for you. That if we do them consistently, it takes care of like 80% of the equation. Then that last 20%, that's where we have to sort of troubleshoot. Okay, cool, I'm having you know cravings for this or I'm hungry here or whatever. And then we sort of troubleshoot that nutritionally. And so I think having these um, sort of anchor actions or DNCs are a way for us to just compromise with ourselves to go, okay, I realize not everything be important. But what are the couple things that are really important? And there's a level of discernment there. Now, as we're talking about this, you can tell, there's a lot of education that has to happen with our clients because they're used to a meal plan, a food list, Recipes to follow, you know, and that I think that like 1.0, that's probably okay to just give people some awareness of what might be a healthier choice versus not. But at some point, you can't outsource your health. You have to figure out what is the thing? Who am I? What does my body do? What does my body need? I have a really high fat diet. Low carb diet, not because I'm keto, but because I do better on that. When I eat a lot of carbs, I feel super lethargic. I just, I get puffy and bloated and things like that. But my energy is great on fats. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't mean I never have carbs, obviously, but it's just like that's what works for me. But someone might look at that and go, oh, Jill does keto or Atkins or whatever. And it's just like, no, I don't box myself in. Mm -hmm. I think there's a continuum and it takes a high level of self-awareness and body awareness Mm -hmm. to figure out what those things are. And most of us aren't in touch with our body's sensations, to be honest, like dieting makes us dumber. It literally takes us out of our body and says, instead of eating when you're hungry, why don't you eat every three hours? Mm -hmm. And so we're having to unlearn a lot of that kind of rule Stuff and come back to okay. What? How does? How does my body respond to these kind of things? And mm-hmm. that takes time. It takes six months. It takes a year. It took me three full years. And so we have to. At least for me, I have to put this message forward that it's not going to. Now you can teach someone these things in a mere couple of weeks, right? Twenty-one days, six weeks, whatever. But the practice of all of this moderation, mindfulness, um, you know, self-compassion, all these kinds of things, it's probably going to take years. But mm-hmm. the cool thing is it's a final solution. It's, it's work that never has to be done again.
0: All right. I'm interrupting the podcast, but it's for a good reason. I'm talking about snacks, guys. Okay. Very important topic, a uh, topic that is near and dear to my heart because no matter how strict or healthy or crazy I get with my diet, I like to eat and I like snacks and I like treats that are healthy that make me feel good that don't make me feel like crap but also i know are giving me nutrition and don't taste like i'm settling for something healthy so all that to say i'm very excited that we have yet another new partner for the show this is a company that i've actually been a fan of for a really long time um, but just recently connected with and learned a bit more about how they do things um how high quality and next level their products actually are. Um, I was always impressed with them, but even more so now that I've had time to chat with the founder, Autumn Smith, co-founder of Paleo Valley. Um, They make a number of supplements, which I can talk about at a later date. You can go check everything out at paleovalley.com. But I'm talking today about their superfood bars and their 100% grass-fed fermented beef sticks. They're so delicious. They come in a bunch of flavors. Um, I've been eating the beef sticks and their chocolate, I think double chocolate superfood bars, um, dark chocolate chip, that's right, uh, every day um, because they sent them to me and I'm thinking, okay, these are grass-fed bone broth protein. They've got a ton of superfoods, including things like greens and broccoli and like greens powders, kale, stuff like that, which normally I'd be like, yeah, that's not really for me. I just give me the protein and the meat and the chocolate. Um, but these bars are really good. They taste like food. They don't taste like a lot of the um, sort of healthy or low carb or keto bars out there that are just full of like lab created sugars and chemicals. Um, they've got a ton of health benefits blueberries, turmeric, ginger, Himalayan uh, salt pumpkin seeds and then of course chocolate. Um so they've got protein, they're pretty low carb, decent amount of fat. They're just delicious. Um gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, all of that. Low in sugar. Um so they're delicious. And if you are somebody like me who wants to eat chocolate from time to time, who likes a protein bar when they, you know, go out for the day and want to have a snack, this is absolutely the kind of product that I think would be great for you. Um, so check them out. Go to paleovalley.com. I have a discount code. It's MMR. So that's Muscle Maven Radio, MMR for 15% off. Um, they're just awesome treats to have around, snacks to have on the go. If you're a outdoorsy person, if you, you know, don't want to wait to get home and make your own food or go to the gas station and get whatever nightmare they have there. This is the kind of smart snacking that you want to do. So um, super impressed with this company. I will continue to tell you more about them and what they offer um, as we move forward, but just kind of wanted to put this note um, out there. If you're a snacker like me, this is kind of one of the best ways you can, you can do it. So go check out paleo Valley. I appreciate that they are, partnering with me and supporting the show, paleovalley.com, code MMR, get on it, dark chocolate chip superfood bar. So good. All right. Now back to the show. So if someone's working with you on either like personal development or business development, it seems like, and I mean, you've put a lot of work into this this ability to teach someone so that then they can go do it themselves. Right. So they're not like stuck needing to outsource for, you know, their health or, or any decisions they make throughout their life. So you do a good job of this, but for the average person who again is thinking, okay, well, I want to take responsibility for my own, you know, health and life and business and all these things, but I still need help. Like, how do you balance this? I need to go get some help bring it mm-hmm. back to me to, yeah. to make some decisions, but then I need to be able to trust myself that I don't need this person all the time. And then I can go and do it myself. So what are some, some pieces of advice you can give people who aren't working with you, mm-hmm. how to do that, how to balance that?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny. Cause um, when I start working with new clients a lot, they, um, they are very much in the mode of like needing to ask everything, right? Like they need, they constantly have to check in with me. Is this okay? it okay. Um, I think, all of that, whether it's a nutrition or business, or whatever, I think that way of being, uh, like check, 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 make sure my coach and like everything like gives a check mark, um, is a really fragile approach, right? It, it it sort of says if I don't get Jill's approval on this, you know, decision that my business is going to crumble, mm-hmm. and your business isn't that fragile, your nutrition isn't that fragile, metabolism isn't that fragile, so you can't fuck this up. You actually can't. So, and I get it when people come in. They want to make sure they're not doing anything wrong. They're not they want to make sure they don't mess it up, that it doesn't implode, whatever, right? They have this sort of like catastrophe mindset. And I and I get it, it's fine. I think dieting does us a disservice because it makes us feel like we could mess it up at any second. And we can't. Like we can't mess this up. I always tell my girls, like nothing is irreversible. And if it's online business, it's deletable, it's figure outable, like there's always a solution. So I think if if you're coming in with this idea that one tiny thing can ruin everything, um, that's short-sighted and it's not true. And so having what I consider to be more of like an anti-fragile or like stable mindset and trusting that what you have built isn't easily broken. So if you have a business and I work with a lot of people who come in they're like intermediate business owners and they want to take things to the next level and maybe it's the first time they've had a coach and so they feel like they need to organize everything and they need to make sure or whatever so when they come in they have that energy. One of the things that I do as a coach and I don't know that this is it works for me and it works for my clients. I don't know that I wouldn't necessarily tell people to do this, but I'm not super accessible to my clients. And that's not because I'm like a dick or I don't care about them or whatever. It's actually a tool to help them have the full experience without needing to, to talk to me about it. So for example, I've had clients that are... like It might be a Saturday or Sunday and stuff. And and they're like, I could tell they're really like something's going wrong, like something's happening and it's a big stress moment. And they jump into the Facebook group and they're like, what, what should I do? What should I do? I don't respond. I don't respond, not because I don't see it, not because I don't care, but I'm like, number one, it's Saturday. yeah, And number two, let's just see how it plays out. Let's just see what happens. So then what happens is... I'm always there to catch them, right? So like Monday morning, I'll be like, hey, so-and-so, sorry, I couldn't get to this this weekend. What happened? And then we, they're like, oh, well, it actually was fine because, and then we'll go into like whatever, like ended up happening and was fine. And I'm like, cool, let's debrief on what we can do better next time, whatever. I'm there to help them debrief. But that experience actually is invaluable. Mm. They need to have the experience. They need to build up a show of evidence that they're fine and that they can do it and that they're competent. And that even if things don't go perfectly, they can figure it out. And so many people don't trust themselves to figure it out, whether it's food or business or whatever. So I'm a big fan of letting someone have... like Now, if they were in real trouble, of course, I'd be there. But if it was like some small little customer service thing or a client was upset or something, I'm like, let's have the full experience. I need you to rack up a show of evidence that you can trust you. Because at some point, I'm not going to be here. I don't want to be here. And so... I don't know. It's worked for me. And I started when I was a nutrition coach back in 2012. We had this moment in the business. I had five coaches working for me. We were doing all one-on-one fat loss programs. And I had one client who texted us like 73 times on a Sunday. And at first I was like, can this woman not make any decisions without us? Like, can she actually live at all without us? And I was getting really frustrated. And then I had this moment, like she's going to the grocery store, texting us, like sending us labels, all this kind of stuff. And I had this moment where I was like this is my fault. This mm-hmm. whole situation is actually my fault. I enabled this. I attracted this kind of person. The way that I've been showing up has said that I'm available for this and this is not only is this like annoying to me, but this is a disservice to her. Mm-hmm. Like I'm ma- I'm literally making her so dependent on me and I can say there are a lot of coaches that like being dependent upon. Mm-hmm. I think there's this feeling of worthiness and whatever. And I'm like, not me. I don't want people blowing up my phone on Sunday. And I'm like, I created this. Mm -hmm. And from then on, we took complete responsibility, put in a ton of boundaries and a ton of expectation management. And a lot of things I I just shared with you about giving them, uh, not being available and letting them have the full experience. And at the end of the day, I don't know that everyone loves that, to be honest. I think they maybe feel abandoned by their coach or whatever, but the ones who are attracted to me and understand me, and I'm pretty open about it. That's how I am. It, they do see it as a service and then they're able to graduate and not have to work with me for years. Mm-hmm. So I noticed it with the fitness stuff and the nutrition stuff um, and then moved it into the business as well.
0: I love this. Anybody who's again, watching this is seeing that I was like taking notes while you were talking because <laughs> there's there's a lot that I want to come back to. And like, even for myself, this is just sure. so valuable, but it's really useful to what you're saying. This not being so accessible that is totally applicable to all of life because anybody who has a smartphone or a laptop or who works and has an email knows that we have now created this general culture for ourselves where anytime someone sends us a message, we see it immediately and we feel like we have to respond immediately. And that is not helping anybody across the board. So I actually love this. And there are so many times I've had coaching experiences where people are doing the same to me. They're kind of relying on me too heavily. But you'll see that the way they ask the question, it's completely obvious they know what the answer is. They just want you to tell them the answer because they feel yeah. like they trust you more than they trust themselves. And that's something I've tried to like, you know, show people is like, you don't trust me more than you trust yourself. The whole point is that I want you to be able to trust yourself and you're telling me something you already know the answer to, um, but it can be really difficult. Okay. Going back to the investing in yourself thing, because about a month or two ago, I made an investment in myself working with you very yep. very briefly I had a, a business opportunity that was coming up and I just felt like I needed um, I needed to run some ideas by somebody who was in this world and who you know I could talk to and would give me some straight answers. And so I had a consultation with you. We had a very, very productive um, call, which I told you, you know, resulted in me getting a a business contract that I was very happy with. Um, And so I really, really appreciate that. That was an awesome opportunity. And it really made me feel it's interesting too, because it made me feel empowered that I took the step to invest and speak to a professional because that's how much I valued my own time and my own work and the work that I was going to put out there. I didn't want to, you know, not get what I was worth. And so it was a very cool experience from start to finish. And I, of course, recommend it. Um, But my question is, and I know that there isn't like a hard and fast rule here, but do you, in your experience, is there like a, I'm making this much money with my business. This is a good amount that I can invest back because I feel like some people may maybe invest too much and never kind of Mm -hmm. sit back and Mm -hmm. think about and enjoy what they're doing. And there may Mm -hmm. be some people, and I feel like I've been um, guilty of this in the past where I'm like, I'm not good enough yet to invest. I'm not, I can't give too much money back yet. So is there like, what, what do you think about that?
1: Yeah. So this is really interesting because it's um, it's, kind of like thinking that you're unworthy to go to the gym until you're fit. Mm. Same exact thing, right? So when it comes to business investing, honestly, I waited about 18 months before I invested. Um, And at that time, Jill Fit was making six figures and I invested uh, $10,000 in a coach. And that was my very first big investment. And I didn't have the money, to be honest. I didn't have it like sitting around. I didn't have a credit card that had that limit on it at that time. Uh, But I reached out to someone who, do you know Rachel Cosgrove and Alan Cosgrove? Mm -hmm. You know them? Yeah. So they were my my first mentors. Um, And Rachel was sort of doing what I wanted to be doing, but like maybe five years ahead of me. And so I reached out to her and she said, um, yeah, Jill, I do coaching. If you want to do like a little 30-minute call, it's $375. And I was like, what? (laughs) Like I was a personal trainer charging pennies. So I remember being like, wait, what? Like that was so much money. And I remember being like, wow, that's a lot of money. But you know what? If I can figure out how she charged that and I can start charging that, then it's worth it. So I paid her the money. We got on the call, a 30-minute call. At the end of the call, she pitched me on her $10,000 year-long mastermind. And I remember being like, like mind blown. Like how could anyone even say that number? Like that was a car to me at the time. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, okay, I'll think about it. Bye. And like jumped off the phone. Like most people do had no intention of, of doing falling through a couple of weeks went by and I was just like, God, I'm super stuck in my business. I like feel like I've reached a ceiling at this point. We were, um, I had five coaches. Like I said, we were all maxed out on one-on-one clients. We didn't have anywhere else to put people. We didn't know how to grow the team. Everyone was exhausted. Um, and I knew I needed, I needed someone to sort of access to someone's brain who could take me to the next level. And I remember thinking, you know what? I wonder if I could just launch a, a, like literally brand new program. I have no idea what I'm doing. Just like launch it out of my ass to make this money. And I launched a year-long mentorship. It was at the time fitness and nutrition, a little bit of mindset, and maybe like a tiny bit of business on the, on the back end. And I was charging $100 a month and for 12 months, and I got 14 people. And I made like $17,000 and I was like, I'm rich. And I remember paying Rachel. And here's the cool thing about this was I would never have launched that had I not had the aspirational sort of goal of paying Rachel. So before the the mentorship even began, I started becoming someone different. Mm -hmm. And that's the power of investment. It's not even like you said, you just said it right before when you asked this question, it changed how you showed up. Okay, I'm gonna invest in myself. I'm gonna put some money on the line. I normally don't do this. You probably were like, okay, it was a signal to your higher self that you were like, okay, I'm, I'm actually leveling up, and that experience is invaluable. So for me, it wasn't even. I mean, I, yeah, I learned a bunch from them and whatever. I, I'm sure I learned a ton, but it wasn't even that. It was just who it forced me to be mm. when I invested, and I don't. I don't think anyone, everyone needs to, you know. Invest money they don't have or come up with money or $10,000. But there's something so powerful about being like, you know, $300, $500, $1,000 when it is not easy to invest that, right? Like all of us, you know, yeah, like I'd like, because the safest thing to do is hold your money, right? That's the safest thing is keep it in your pocket. Mm-hmm. So in order to invest you have to see what the value might be and I always say that like the biggest sort of you know is it which comes first the chicken or the egg do you invest and then that's what gets you to the next level or do you wait and like hoard your money to be ready to invest and I really think the people who um, are investing in a scary like I don't know if I'll make this back I don't know but they trust themselves to figure it out they have the most success mm-hmm. so if I could go back I'd probably invest a little bit earlier I invested fairly early I don't think there's like a ratio of like okay, once you're making this, you can invest this okay. much. Um, I don't know. I usually, I pretty much like in coaching and mentorship at this point, I'm investing twenty five to thirty five thousand dollars a year just on coaching. Um, you know, but you work your way up to that. Now it's just my value system. You know, I'm sure for you, after having that experience, you go, yeah, I'm, I'm actually probably willing to invest more now because I see it pay off. Mm-hmm. And so investing for me is a value system. It's not will I invest. It's where am i going to invest. Mm-hmm. And so once you kind of move to that level, you just go, okay, all of my income and i've just seen it grow over time as a result of my investments. Mm-hmm. So, if you've never invested, just invest in something small, have the full experience, and then you'll you'll have an opportunity to and this is actually how i set up my business model at Jillfit. Um, there's we call it an ascension model where like there's a beginner sort of course, and then you move into like more of an intermediate course, and then there's an advanced option and of course one-on-one it, the top. And the price point goes up as the person becomes more proficient as a business owner. So it, the the sort of stepwise fashion, the beginner course is $2,000. First time anyone's ever invested in their business, huge like learning curve, all this kind of stuff. Like that's a lot for someone who's never invested. Think about mm-hmm. traditional jobs; you don't have to pay money to make money; you just mm-hmm. make money. So, getting someone who comes from a corporate background or even a personal training background to then to feel like they have to actually spend money to then make money is a, a paradigm shift. Mm-hmm. So, two thousand dollars is a little bit scary, but it's doable for someone who's a beginner. Next level up is seven thousand five hundred, and so it's like. If that is sticker shock for you, then you're not proficient enough in your business. Like You're not at the, the the intermediate, what I would consider be intermediate level. That should feel a little bit like a stretch, but it shouldn't feel like sticker shock. Mm-hmm. And then you move up to the mastermind. It's like $15,000, $16,000. And then one-on-one coaching with me is, I don't really do that anymore. But if I did, it would be more. And so you should feel like, yeah, it's a little bit scary, but I should, my business should be able to support it. I should have enough reps at this point. I should have enough success that I know that I'm going to make that money back. Mm-hmm. And ironically, like the easiest sells are the higher ticket stuff, because people just know their value at that point, yeah. right? They're and they're and they've, they've had been enough success. A times. Yeah. They've yeah. had enough success. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So when you do, is it a gut thing for you in terms of when you were looking at your first investment into your business and, and who you would give that money to, who you would invest in to get that back? was that sort of a gut like this is just a person who seems to be where I want to be or, or do you have any kind of golden rules for how to make sure you're investing in the right help?
1: Yes, this is such a good question because I've made a lot of mistakes. Mm. (laughs) So um, when I knew I wanted to hire my first mentor, business mentor, um, I was just coming out of the like competition space. I was a figure competitor for a lot of years, and I was doing a lot of fitness modeling. And so I sort of looked at who was on top in like those spaces, and it was people like Jamie Eason and Monica Brandt, and you know they had they were on the cover of you know Oxygen magazine and whatever. And I always looked up to those girls. Um, But when I thought about it, I was like, my goal isn't a magazine cover. Like at that point, I had had a couple and I was like, my goal isn't to be writing for Oxygen Magazine. My goal isn't to be working the Olympia at a booth, right? Like that wasn't my goal. So I was like, as much as I... Really respect the the people in that industry or whatever that that wasn't my goal set anymore. I was like, I really wanna instead of being a woman with a business, I want to be a businesswoman. Mm-hmm. Totally different skill set. So I looked around and I saw that Rachel at the time had she was speaking on stages, she had uh, a couple of books out, she was writing a column for Women's Health, and what I saw was she was having a lot more success because of her brain and not her looks. And that was a shift that I had made early in the business. I was like, okay, my it's not about my body and do I have a six pack and like who's looking. And it's like, am I helping people? And so I really started to look at who was having the kind of success that I wanted. At that time, she was working with her husband, Alan. And at the time, I was working with my ex-husband in our business. So it seemed sort of aligned. Um, I have also, and that was a great sort of first step for me, learned a ton from her, I have also made the mistake of choosing coaches or masterminds based on sort of status, like oh, who's in there, who's going to be there, like. And I live in LA, so it's easy to get sort of caught up in like the clickiness of this this uh, you know area. And I joined a mastermind several years ago that the person who was running it, I wasn't really like personality wise, we didn't necessarily vibe. And that's I think a key thing to remember is is this someone I could hang out with? Is this mm. someone I could spend the weekend with? Because you're literally going to be spending a lot of time with this, this people. Because here's the thing, the person who's running that mastermind will attract a lot of people like them. Mm-hmm. So it's not just that person, it's the other people in the group. So you have to ask yourself, is that my vibe? Is that the, the kind of people that I want to hang with? There's nothing, it's not better or worse, whatever. It's just for me, what am I looking for? Do I need strategy? Do I need accountability? Do I need community? And what am I, am I in this for the right reasons? I joined a mastermind this year, totally different experience, not status-driven, not clicky, just straight up like good vibes, like lots of strategy help, just like people who support you. And so I think you need to look at not only the person's success and where they're at, but also their personality. Like, would you like to hang out with this person? Mm -hmm. Um, And also the other thing is, ask, I think it's okay to ask for referrals and ask for testimonials and stuff like that. Like I think, and I'm, I'm obviously a coach. I love when people are like, Hey, Jill, do you have some people I could chat about working with you? I'm like, yeah, of course, if you're a good coach, you're not going to feel, you're not going to be, um, that's not going to feel threatening to you. I'm like, yeah, here's dozens of people I've worked with that have gotten great results. Go talk to any of them. They'll Mm -hmm. tell you truthfully exactly what it's like to work with me. And if you're a good coach then you shouldn't be scared of that. So I think if you're thinking about working with someone, Feel free to ask them. What are their what are what kind of successes have they gotten their clients? What do they feel like they're the best at? And then also just go back to you and go, what do I need? Mm-hmm. Do I need community? Do I need accountability? Do I just need strategy? Do I need um, just friends? Like sometimes you have to pay for friends. Like if you just don't have people in your local area that get it, mm-hmm. you might have to pay to be in these rooms. Um, I think investment personally is non-negotiable, whether it's your health, your business, your fitness, whatever. I have like three gym memberships. I literally don't. And, and it's not like because I'm rich or anything. It's just like, that's my priority. My priority is my health. So why would I skimp on that? You know. Mm-hmm. Um. So looking at even just like your purchasing history, like if, you know, like where where do you spend your money that will tell you your priorities and it's not better or worse but you that will give you an indication of what's important to you
0: yeah i love that if if somebody if you ask somebody for references and they give you shit that's a massive red huge flag.
1: red flag huge red flag <laughs>
0: Yeah. Turn the other way. Okay. Talk to me a little bit about masterminds because this is one thing that I have never engaged in. I see a lot of successful, awesome people doing them, going to them, hosting their own. How is this different than, you know, or is it like these sort of like, you Mm -hmm. know, expos that you go to for a weekend and that, or you sign Mm -hmm. up and do like an online course that, you know, you're having like live zoom calls. Is that a mastermind? Is it just semantics? Like, tell me why Mm -hmm. that's different. And maybe in some cases, a more rich experience experience than than other ways you can you know, Mm connect with coaches. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So I would consider a mastermind to be different than coaching. So coaching is like, I am learning, I need to learn this thing and I need to find the person who has that knowledge. And and you can, you know, you can hire a coach. You can do that via a course. You can do that via a book or even a podcast, right? So information is everywhere. I love that. Like everything I ever need to know is a podcast, a book, a coach, a course away. Um, That's a little bit different. So coaching is, is great, but that's like, the person up here knows all the stuff and they're telling you and then you implement it. Um, masterminding is a little bit different because the focus is there is a coaching component, uh, but the idea is that it becomes a sort of brain share. So the power of a mastermind is the other people in it because they're coming in with all different kinds of experiences that are different than yours and like you the word used was rich and that really is what it is it's like it's a richer experience you're not needing a ton of coaching necessarily right. i'm not needing to like learn something like really i'm i'm maybe i need an idea maybe i want to learn i'm going to implement something a little bit better become more efficient um come become more effective but i'm not going to someone and being like teach me In that way, it's more like, how can we contribute to each other's experience? Mm -hmm. So it's not about necessarily straight up strategy all the time, right? It's not like, do this, do this, do this. Um, It's very much like, uh, I would say, connecting with other people who have similar experiences. So it's funny. I was at this mastermind last week. um, So I'm in a year-long one. We had our last retreat last week. It was four days. And the interesting thing about this was these people, like I said, seven-figure, multiple seven-figure business owners... um, And it's all the same stuff as someone who's just starting out. Like, in terms of it's all the same, like mindset struggles. Like, am I good enough? And is this thing going to work? And what if I have a bad launch? And you know what do i do if it goes sideways like it's all the same stuff it's just more zeros literally that's the only difference you know of course someone who's maybe further along understands that they it can't crumble right like there's always something to do but a lot of the same mindset struggles and all the same components so i i think about it like it's just it's like a cake right like so someone who's just getting started has an easy bake oven cake and someone who's seven figure business owner has like a seven tiered wedding cake same exact ingredients: butter, sugar, flour. Right, all the same ingredients, but just different outcome based on, uh, you know, experience and success and uh, choices and things like that. So a mastermind is really the most about the community and making it like the brain share of who brings what to the table and how can you implement things and and rely on people and have a support team sort of in your, your corner. But we do a lot of mindset stuff, to be honest, like the one that I'm in, you know, because everyone knows kind of what to do, right? We have, there's tutorials you can watch on like what to do. Yeah. Um, it, it's a lot of just supporting one another and getting to next level because when you want to go from like a six-figure to seven-figure business or, you know, you want to double your revenue, a lot of it comes down to how you think about it mm-hmm. and how you can sustainably implement it
0: yeah so do you are you hosting do you have a mindset mm-hmm. okay okay yeah. so i have a mastermind
1: i've been running for five years okay. um and it is for this year we're actually changing it up a little bit it's going to for people who are making six figures or more right. um and who want to increase their revenue by 50 to 100 percent next year which is like Amazing that we're in a space that you could actually do that. <laughs> like no other job could you like double your income overnight, but you can do that in entrepreneurship.
0: That's incredible, and I mean, yeah. I feel like more than maybe ever before, this type of format is um, highly desirable because we are coming out of a space where we felt so isolated and felt like. There was a very uh, a lack of richness in terms of how we were interacting with each other and being inspired by one another. Like I'm thinking about how different my over the course of a year my work life is different now. Of course, the baby threw another wrench into it. But like all of these expos and events and like, okay, well yeah. let's just let's meet up somewhere and do some like you know informal mind shares, I suppose, right? Yep. Um, and that mm-hmm. we had a couple years where like that was not happening for a lot of people. So I feel like this is absolutely a time when people are going to be really jumping on this stuff.
1: You know, it's funny because um, I've heard people say like, oh, masterminds are over. Or like, oh, they're so played out. And I'm just like, people always need connection. Yeah. Like they always will. Maybe it'll look different, you know, but people are always going to need to connect with other people who are doing similar stuff. And yeah. if you, you know, like, luckily I live in like Los Angeles and everyone's an entrepreneur, but like, if you live in the Midwest or you live somewhere it was like your small town, people, you know, not only do people not know what you're doing, but a lot of times they are like naysayers, right? That will never it. work or whatever, right? So you have to find spaces. It's really hard to grow and it's really hard to be successful in this space if you're not around anyone who gets it. Mm-hmm. And so at some point you might have to pay to play a little bit. You might have to pay to get into some of these rooms to get access to these to the brains that you need to get to the next level. And to me, I, I know we get a lot like caught up a lot in like in money and, you know, and it's really easy to feel like I don't have the cash. But there's investments like I said you can make a 500 dollars investment. You can make a $3 investment. You can make a $1,000 investment. Just start there yeah. and then have the experience of, wow, I invested $1,000 and this past year I made $10,000 more in my business. And then you go, "Oh, this does work, right mm-hmm. I think it's a misconception that you can just keep doing the same thing year after year the same strategy and launch the same people and expect your business to grow like yep. you just won't right yep. you have to you have to innovate you have to figure out a different strategy and if what you're doing is not working or it's not helping you grow if that's your goal some people are just like I'm good right I'm good in this like holding pattern and it's fine and I make good money and whatever. But if you really have a big growth goal, then you have to do something different. And sometimes you don't know what that is, or sometimes you need the support of people who have done it before. Yeah. So yeah, I'm a big advocate.
0: You're also a big advocate of people, you know maybe this word's aggressive, but demanding what they're worth, right? Getting what they're worth from <laughs> yeah, their work, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so how do you feel about stuff like, um, for example, like Substack and stuff where people are now putting content that maybe before was a free blog post and now you're paying for it? And, and another example being maybe podcasts that are behind paywalls and things yep. like that. How do you feel about that in general and in terms of how an individual would decide, this is a better choice for me rather than providing this free content that that may bring people in to then later pay for something.
1: Mm -hmm. You'll know, like you'll be at a place where you'll know. So I'm not actually not, excuse me, I'm not that person who's like, you know, you just got personal training certified, like charge, you know, $500 an hour. I'm like, no, like you're not good yet. Right. Like you've got but to get the worse. reps up. Yeah. Yeah. Like you have to get the your reps up. Yeah. Um, and I think I probably did stay too, I charged like too little for too long. I think some people will just stay there. And so I think you have to notice, and this is what I do with my students is I'm like, okay, you'll know, because you won't get any no's, you will get on sales calls, and everyone's like, "Yes, yes, yes," which is a great feeling, right? You just convert everybody. But when you're, you know, converting more than eighty percent of your sales calls, your price is too cheap. It just is. You're at a level where the demand is high enough to now justify a price increase. So for someone like I don't know, I listened to the Sam Harris podcast. His podcast is now behind a paywall. Um, people at that level or in that position are in a position because the demand is so high yeah. so i'm just like yes and and the market always knows so if you put it behind a paywall and then no one pays <laughs> Right. Then you answer. might not have been ready. Then yeah. you might not have been ready. So you'll know based on what the outcome is. Mm-hmm. And if you put something behind a paywall and no one pays, then number one, you're not quite ready to do that yet. Like the mm-hmm. demand maybe is not high enough, or you're just not a good marketing. Like you're just not a good enough marketer to to build the value enough that someone wanna give you money for that. So mm-hmm. I think you will know because you'll be in demand. This is something I'm sure that's happened with you, especially now with the baby, mm-hmm. is like your time is more valuable than it's ever been, right? Because you're like, I want to spend time with him and, you know, whatever. You have a lot of different competing priorities. So then you go one way to value that time that you, that less time that you have is to bump your prices up. Yeah. Because I, my, my one on one pricing is pretty high because I kind of don't want to take anyone, right? Like I kind of don't want to get because I have other places that I can put people. Yes. I think if you are. Going to put something behind a paywall, you need to have other ways that people know that you're good. There needs to be mm-hmm. enough free content elsewhere that people understand. Because I made the, the mistake early on of not giving away a lot of my content for free because I felt like I was in scarcity. Oh, like you know, I'm gonna give everything why. Why would they pay me if it's all on my blog or if it's all on social media, why would they pay me? And what happened was is I was holding everything so close to the vest that no one knew I was good. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't know what I did, they didn't know how to work with me. Mm -hmm. And so then I just went full tilt into the blog and gave everything away. And that's when my business really started to take off. So there needs to be enough free, accessible content for people long enough to build an audience, to build trust with that audience, and then to be able to, you know, kind of earn the right to increase your rates or put something behind a payroll.
0: So good. Okay.
1: But you need to have, but here's the thing. You need to have something, you need to have something that is behind a paywall. And is that, I always say that investment is... Uh, it's like aspirational for people. Like, give them an opportunity to mm-hmm. buy something expensive, right? Not everyone in your audience is going to, but shit, if you have you know dozens or maybe hundreds of clients at a low ticket and a low ticket membership, like there's a subset of those people that want to go deeper with you. Give mm-hmm. them that opportunity to pay you thousands instead of instead of you know hundreds. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. To me, I think there's there's aspirational levels. I mean. I like investing. I like talking about my investments. I'm proud of those things. Mm -hmm. And so I think if you just give away too much stuff for free or too low ticket for too long, uh, you're missing a huge opportunity for those people in your audience that want to go deeper with you.
0: Yeah, I love it. Okay, for I'm not going to keep you too much longer. A couple more quick questions. So how what percentage of your work right now in terms of the time that you spend um, is dedicated towards fitness business stuff versus fitness? Because again, folks who yeah. follow you know that fitness is still very much a part of your yeah. life and you put out some great content for that. But it seems to me that there's a bit of like, you know, a, a switch towards this fitness business stuff and coaching and mentorship on that side of it. Do you see yourself continuing? Continuing to do that to a point where maybe there isn't any of the straight fitness stuff anymore?
1: You know, I've had so many business coaches tell me to just drop fitness, drop nutrition. Dude, I'm a meathead. Like I just am. And I know we have that in common. (laughs) And I'm like, as much as I, you know, and I do sometimes get sick of the fitness stuff. I'm like, ah, like I've talked about like lifting again, like, but I always come back to it because to me... I just, I'm like, it's just part of who I am. It's where I started. I was in the fitness industry for a lot longer than I've been in the business space. Um, I started business coaching in 2012. And it was sort of like for people who just wanted to like maybe casually start a blog or like it started very small. Now, uh, probably three quarters. Yeah, about three quarters of the revenue at Jill Fit is business uh, revenue. Um, obviously it's higher ticket and it's, it's just more impactful for people. The fitness and nutrition stuff, it's fairly low ticket. Typically everything's a hundred dollars or less. I do have a nutrition philosophy called the moderation 365 method. And we just launched a certification in 2020, which was really exciting. We've had this course that was a sort of gen pop, just direct to consumer course for many years. We've had thousands of people go through that course. And then we actually made it into a curriculum for professionals. It's now accredited with a whole bunch of different, you know, certifying bodies. Um, and so that's we're we're spending that's a whole separate arm of the business i have a whole like head of coaching that that handles that whole side of the business um, so i can sort of focus on what my zone of genius is with which is content creation and coaching so it's it's exciting and it does feel a little bit sort of like uh, like pulled to different places, but the context of my business coaching will always be fitness and nutrition. That's yeah. my like lifeblood. That's the industry that I know the most. That's so if I'm using examples, I'm not going to use a dating example or you know I don't know like a, a graphic design example. I'm going to use a fitness or a nutrition coaching program as an example in my business courses. So it just makes it a lot easier. I I think that it is valuable to have a business coach someone who understands your industry, right? I was uh, actually talking to a business coach a couple of years ago and I was mentioning something about Lead generation or whatever, and he was like, Oh, just make like a PDF on like how to get a six pack. And I was like, This person clearly doesn't understand our industry, <laughs> like, there's just so much more nuance. So, I think yeah. having a business coach who understands also the topic area and uh, contextually, like, I think that that's really important too. Um, so yeah, that other piece, I don't know if it'll go ever go away. It's still like part of me. I get like antsy, I want to create a new fitness program, I want to go deeper with nutrition stuff. Um, yeah, we'll see. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, if if it was easy enough to get a six pack by just downloading somebody's PDF. PDF. (laughs) Can you imagine the world would be a very different place? Um, And that makes me happy too, because I know a lot of us, you know, I have really kind of followed and been helped a lot by your fitness business, uh, you know, acumen, but like, we still like to see the workout like meathead stuff too. So I'm like, I'm glad that that still exists. Love it where do you see your business and your work life and what you're doing on a day-to-day basis? Where do you see that in like two, five, 10 years? And do you, do you do that practice frequently where you look ahead and think about where you want to be?
1: So I hadn't except for the last couple of years. Um, I think especially uh, I've been in the industry, like I said, for 11 years and turning 40 this last year, I was more like, okay, do I really number one? Do I really want to still be like showing up on social media every single day in my 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 fifties and sixties? Like I don't know that I'm like maybe I have like ten more years of like front facing stuff. I don't know that it'll ever stop working. I love the fitness industry. I love the business industry. It might be a different capacity, um, but I was like, I think I have like ten more years of this this type of business, mm-hmm. um, which is personal brand business social media content creation you know courses masterminding stuff like that the second thing is is that i want to make at this point i make enough money f- to live comfortably i'm not a huge like i'm not a big like i don't need like tons of money but i want to make sure that my family's taken care of you know we're in that weird place where like we're having babies, but then like also our parents getting older. So for me, I I really had this thing of like, I want to make sure that like, I'm set up retirement wise. I'm putting as much money away as I can, investing as much as I can. And also that my family has what they need to, as my parents get older, something happens to them. Like, and I really had this a couple of years ago, like, okay, this is, this is what, it wasn't just like a hobby anymore. Like, oh, this is fun. I'll just like keep doing it for as long as I like, okay, no, this is something I want to really look at. So it's, and also I hired like, Six new team members in the last year and a half, and they need to know what the company vision is, right? Mm-hmm. Like now, all of a sudden, I'm on the hook for like their livelihood and stuff like that, and so they need to know we have we have launch goals, we have launch calendars, we have we work backwards with all that stuff, um, because I want them to know and have a sense of safety that like they have a job for a long time. Right, I'm not going to just be like, oh, let's like launch something next week. It needs to be a lot more organized, and it, they need to be included in that process because now they're full-time with me. Like their, their livelihood, their family, their welfare is dependent on how well our business does. Mm-hmm. And I like that. I think I was scared of that for a long time. Now I'm just like, yeah, I love that responsibility. Just Again, it's like that leadership thing where like, okay, you're stepping into a new role. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now that we have so many people on a team, we can't afford to not really plan. That's, that's, part of, that's a big part of it
0: that's exciting is your team remote are they where you are do you guys get together regularly how does that work
1: yeah they're all remote we um, we meet every week and we just do like and then if we have a launch or a live event we're pretty much everyone's all hands on deck so people come into town we'll host a lot of our events in la they'll come in to be here for the for the whole live event or launch like you know I have a sort of like right hand man he's what we call an integrator so if you've ever read the book rocket fuel have heard of that book essentially we have like a visionary and we have an integrator, and I'm sort of the visionary of the company. Where are we going? What's like high level content, like creation? Who are we as a brand, values, things like that? And then The integrator, which is sort of like I guess you could say like kind of a like a project manager or Mm -hmm. um, head of operations, and they come behind me and like implement everything. So they write all the the marketing emails, the um, not like from scratch. Obviously, I have a lot of emails that I've written, so they kind of take that stuff. They know my voice. They write the sales pages. um, They run the launch, like all that kind of stuff. They'll come in. They live in Austin. They'll come in just for the launch week and we do everything here. So it just depends on kind of what we have going on. So I usually see the team in person a couple of times a year and then we meet every week.
0: Awesome. One last question. Would you ever consider, and I know I'm not the only woman who is thinking this in their head, would you ever consider expanding your empire to fitness apparel? Because (laughs) I love the style the aesthetic the workout aesthetic is amazing like i just love what you show up in to work out it looks amazing (laughs) super sexy muscle like shoulders out quads i love it i would imagine it's probably like a very maybe annoying and tedious business and if you're not passionate (laughs) about it so i'm kind of tongue-in-cheek here but
1: Make your own leggings I love this This is my my. I feel like I feel so filled up I need to come and talk to you Every week to get my self-esteem up <laughs> Um You know I do I like it too Um I can't see myself doing parallel, To be honest Um but I do work with a couple of companies that yeah, I do right. like uh, referrals and affiliates and stuff with. I'm a big yeah. fan of Carbon 38. Yes. You can use Jill Fit at checkout to get yes. the discount. Um, I have yeah, done I, this. <laughs> I, yes, it's so good, right? And it's one of those things where, and I agree with you, I think a part of being able to show up and be excited. I mean, well, first of all, muscles are the best accessory anyway. Yes. Like it's the best. It just tells people what you're about, they don't have to say anything, they know what you're about. Um, and I think especially, you know, like I know I mentioned this a couple of times, like turning 40, you do have this thing as a woman, you're like, oh, like, do I just like crawl under the table now? Like am I not allowed to wear like sexy stuff or like look, you know, like really take pride in how I look. Mm-hmm. And I, I think if your mom, maybe you're listening to that too, and you're like, yeah, like, you know, I'm a mom now and that's my priority. And mm-hmm. I think um, there's something really powerful and an example to show up other to show other women what's possible in their 40s and 50s and beyond and like what that can look like. And I don't know, just owning owning it. I actually probably wear less clothes now than I did in my twenties when I was a competitor. So I don't know. I think there's an energetic to it as well. So I personally can't see myself doing that. I mean, maybe getting into like maybe more supplements, white labeling, stuff like that. Probably not apparel though.
0: Okay. What's your I, uh
1: I am thinking about potentially doing like some sort of um, not like a gift guide, but like just more talking more about fashion just because people are constantly asking me like, where'd you get that? Where'd you get that? And whatever. Um, so I might do like just something where people can just access all the links that I use.
0: Yes. I love it. Just because again, from a, from a like fitness professional standpoint, I live in workout clothes. I have zero qualms about that. And (laughs) we are now in a, in a world. I mean, I guess you could say the eighties was the same where like workout clothes, is fashion and yep. i just i just anyway i just kind of i love your I love smile, it. so no it, um,
1: it, and it also just like impacts how you show up right like go to the gym and like a new like one shoulder sports bra just like i don't know it just feels different you just want to work harder and you're just like feeling yourself
0: and i will say like going back to working out after the baby i mean i i i feel like because I'm an older mom, I had less of this, like, oh my God, I don't have a six pack, like three weeks after giving birth. What do I do? (laughs) Like I was, I'm pretty happy with how I've been taking care of myself, but it is still, you know, you are going through changes in your body and you are kind of seeing things differently. And I'm like, okay, how do I go to the gym, you know, two months postpartum? Maybe I'm not going to wear like the Tarzan outfit that I like normally would, but maybe I will actually, I don't know. Maybe I will. Maybe maybe I I will. will. So it's been, it's been good. Okay. (laughs) I love Um, it. Jill, I appreciate you so much. You are just an incredible resource in this industry and you've helped me so much. I know you will continue to do that. And um, I really, really appreciate you kind of giving us a bit of a mastermind today. So thank you.
1: <laughs> well, honestly, I, I actually want to say if, if you guys are interested in the business stuff, I didn't know how much of that stuff we're going to talk about today. But if that is sort of piquing your interest, a really easy way to start just like immersing yourself in those conversations is I have a podcast called Fit Biz You. Mm-hmm. And it's all the episodes are 15 minutes or less. and They're all like super tactical. And it's just like, Easy listening. Listen like one on your you know drive to work or something. Just start of ex- expose. Start exposing yourself to some of these conversations, some of these vocab, some of the vocabulary. Like I'm glad we talked a lot about masterminds today. Like just expose yourself to some of the ideas to see if it may be something you want to go deeper with and like a, you know a course or a coaching program or a mastermind. But yeah, FitbizU publishes twice a week and there's shit. There's probably over 200 episodes now, and it will just help you, especially if you're newer to the space. Yeah. Just orient yourself and see you know that there's a lot of ways to be successful in this space
0: absolutely thank you so much for your time i'm coming out your way sometime this year so i nice. will be in contact maybe we can get like a beach workout in or something
1: yeah it'll we'll get fun. a beach workout and like a big steak it'll be great
0: yes love it perfect day all right jill thanks thank so much enjoy you your got day. it And that's it for this week's episode. Thank you guys for listening as always. Thanks again to Jill for being awesome. And um, I hope you join me again next Tuesday. We've got a couple more, like I said, before the end of the year uh as always you can reach out to me on instagram at the muscle maven you can send me an email through my website at ashleyvanhouten.com and also see everything else that i'm working on there my new book carnivore ish is coming out early in the new year super excited about it it's basically it's a little bit more mainstream than my organ meat cookbook this one's all about protein forward animal protein centric delicious healthy meals you know, in the days before social media, when everything had to have a title, you could just call it like "Good Food," "Good Real Food," but that's not the best cookbook title. So it's called Carnivorous instead, um, and that's available for pre-order. So great Christmas present! Just throwing that out there. Uh, and thanks again to our show sponsor, Paleo Valley. Love these guys so much. They make my favorite healthy uh, superfood protein bars, fermented beef sticks. They're really, really good. 100% grass-fed. They don't add any kind of junk that you don't understand, but they do add in some plant-based superfoods, which I frankly would not eat otherwise. So it's good. It gives me food I want to eat, plus some extra healthy stuff that I wouldn't probably incorporate unless they told me to. So – paleovalley.com. Use the code MMR. You can save 15% on anything you buy. They've got a range of supplements and other stuff as well. So go check them out and that's it. Have a wonderful day. Get outside, breathe some fresh air. I'm grateful for you and I'll see you next week.